Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Something that we say here at Revo is uh, generosity is not something that we do. Generous is who we are. And uh, we got another opportunity to, to display that uh, with a big need, um, as you've seen up and down uh, the coast of the Carolinas. This week, uh, man, just some complete devastation. And um, when, when things like that happen, people uh, step up and they give and they're generous towards it. And so here's, here's what I'd like to, to challenge you on. If you're looking for an opportunity to give, uh, we would love for you to give through the local church. And here's why. Um, we have strategic partnerships um, with churches in uh, Wilmington, New Bern, uh, Southport, all the way down south to Garden City, Surfside, Myrtle Beach area. And um, we are going to be giving resources to local churches in those cities. Now, I get that you can give to a charity and, uh, or an organization or a nonprofit, and that's great. But let me make an argument for why it's crucial for us to partner with local churches. Uh, because charities will come in, and they're meeting a need. It's great. I'm not knocking it. Like, do it, give, volunteer, serve. Uh, they're going to come in for about seven to ten days, and they're going to meet a, a physical need in the moment. And then in about a week, they're going to pack their stuff up, and they're going to be gone. They'll be gone to the next natural disaster or the next area that needs help. Um, but when we give through the local church, you're not only giving so that a ministry there can meet a real need, whether it's water or food or shelter or help or whatever it is, um, but you're also giving to an organization that is going to be there long after all the nonprofits leave. Um, there's going to be a connection in that community that not just some organization helped them, but a local church served them in their time of need. And after the city is rebuilt and the needs are met and, and life gets back to what the new normal will be, that church will still be there. And we want that to be a beacon and a light in that community. And so that's why we are going to partner with local churches uh, in those areas, uh, funnel resources to them. We've been on the phone with pastors in those areas saying, what is your biggest need? How can we help? What's going on? How can we partner with you? How can we send resources your way? And so if you're considering giving, um, we've got tons of ways to give here. You can text to give or give at the kiosk or even writing a check or putting some cash in an envelope today and you can label it Florence or Hurricane or however you want to label it. And uh, we are going to start funneling uh, funds to those specific areas through the local church so that we can not only meet needs but that we can, uh, man, just establish a light in that community through the local church and, and make Jesus' name famous there. So, uh, man, remember, generosity is not something we do. It's who we are. And just like we provided 2,500 meals in the name of Jesus here in this city, we got another really great opportunity. So if you want to do that, then that opportunity uh, is there for you. Another thing that I want to give you a heads up on, man, Revo is so fortunate to have a, a large amount of first responders that call Revo home, uh, whether it's firefighters or police officers, EMS, um, our small groups, um, are our groups that meet throughout the community, partner with some of these local fire stations and providing meals and loving on these guys and gals that, that uh, are serving others in the city. 
And uh, man, I know even in Winston, a lot of firefighters have been on 60 and, and 80 hour shifts at their station, just like all hands on deck, everybody on call. Um, it's been cool for me to be able to hear stories of how our first responders have left their families here now that they know it's safe and they're headed to the coast to respond, to help meet needs. They're not getting paid for it. They're just like, hey, I'm going to take some time off and go down there and, and try to help and fulfill a need. And uh, man, super proud of those people that, that uh, call Revo home that are doing that. But uh, man, just, I just want to take a second uh, before we dive into the message, just to pray for them and to pray for these churches this morning. That their, their buildings are dark. They're, they're flooded right now. Their people don't know what's going on. Their pastors are trying to regroup. And uh, man, this is a, a, a pleasure for us to be able to gather here with power on and hanging out with friends and, and not be in complete devastation. So let me, let me drop a quick prayer uh, for those people and, um, together. And, and uh, man, just ask God, what do you want me to do? Um, just ask him that question and then, and then be obedient to whatever he says. Let me pray. Um, God, thanks for people that are exemplifying the very characteristics that Jesus modeled. Um, selfless service, uh, sacrifice, uh, humility, putting others in front of themselves, seeing a need and meeting a need. Um, people that are willing to put their own life on hold um, to help others. People that are putting... Uh, their own safety in the way uh, for a cause that is greater for themselves. So I just pray uh, for those people that are serving here and uh, all along the coast. Uh, God, for the churches that are going to have a huge opportunity uh, to, to meet needs and to help people and to serve in their city and in their area. Uh, God, thanks for letting us be a part of it. And so we want to we just commit that we understand that what we have is a gift that is given from you. And so we want to live open-handed, and we want to help uh, the gospel go out all over this area and help meet needs, uh, God. So just uh, bring them comfort and security, uh, give them hope in the gospel, and hope and, and encouragement in the fact that there's a church in Winston-Salem that's behind them, and people that love them and are caring for them. Uh, God, thanks for uh, sparing us and giving us this opportunity to be in a place to respond uh, in, a, in a helpful way. Um, thank you, and pray those things in your son Jesus' name, amen. Man, looking at uh, TV, it can be discouraging, right? It's discouraging sometimes to see what people are going through. Um, I, I know that feeling. My wife and I uh, lived in New Orleans, and our home uh, was wrecked after Katrina. Uh, feet and feet of water and flooding uh, happened as a result of that. And so I know what it feels like to be watching the TV and trying to figure out, Where's my house? Is that close to there? How much, what, will there be anything left when I get there? Um, but discouragement is not just something that, that uh, happens during a tough time. Discouragement is something that we battle with all the time. Uh, discouragement has a way of rearing its ugly head. Uh, just when you are doing well, minding your own business, job is great, family's great, marriage is great, school's great, everything's going fine financially, you may be in a good spot, then boom, all of a sudden something happens. Uh, an unforeseen expense, or something happens at work, or tension in a relationship, or something is said and you feel like you're slighted, or got ganged up on, or someone said something negative about you, and just when you thought life was going well, just when you thought everything was fine, then discouragement hits us. Discouragement can, can come in a couple of different ways, um, and it, it affects us in a couple of different ways. I know for me, uh, I get discouraged most often when... Things don't happen in the time frame that I want them to happen, right? It's like, man, something should have happened by now. 
some more results should have been produced. I should have seen something. There should have been, like, what happens with the breakthrough? Like, I thought something was going to get better. I thought something was going to happen. And, and so even though sometimes you feel like, I don't know if you can relate to this, sometimes you feel like I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm, I'm going forward. Uh, but nothing's happening. Those can be times of, of great discouragement. Sometimes when you get blindsided by something, it can discourage you really quickly. But, uh, man, just the circumstances that we find ourselves in and then the timing of that, man, nothing is more frustrating to me than when God's timing or the timing of things that happen do not line up with my timing. And uh, my timing in my mind is perfect. And so, like, God, why can't you get on board and just do it when I ask you to? Um, but uh, sometimes those can be the times when we face discouragement. And uh, last week we kicked off this series um, really about making God your top priority, um, really about having a different perspective. These people um, had uh, been in their city where it was ransacked. The city was completely destroyed, including the church, including the temple where God's presence dwelt. And the, the people came back in to rebuild. And, and here's something, man. They really took pride in their town and in their houses. And Scripture says that they rebuilt everything except for one thing. Uh, they didn't rebuild God's house. They didn't rebuild the temple. And so God sent a preacher. His name was Haggai to, to say a simple message. He said, now is the time. I know you've been putting it off. I know you've been saying, I'll make God a priority. I'll build the temple. I'll fix it. Like, I want to follow Jesus. I want to do the right thing. But you've been putting it off and putting it off and talking a big game but never acting on it. And, and, and Haggai says, now is the time. Now is the time. And he gave him some simple instructions, a sermon. Maybe you remember from last week. He said, go up the mountain, get the wood, bring the wood down, and build my house. It's time to make God the top priority. It's time to start focusing on don't live in your paneled houses while God's house lays in ruin. And so he gives this message and, and we left it off last week by just saying like do this and that would honor God, prioritize God, let's rebuild his house. And so we're going to pick up in, in chapter 1 of verse 13. And so like how did their people respond to that? What are they going to do? What is the next step? Are you willing to make God your top priority in your life? Are you willing to rebuild your life around him? And in verse 13, it says this of Haggai chapter 1. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Zodak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Verse 15, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Man, this is like a pastor's dream come true because Haggai gets up, preaches this message. He's like, God said, let's do this. Like, build the house, go up the mountain, get the wood, bring it down, build my house. And the people are looking at Haggai and they're like, Okay, let's do this. Scripture says God stirred in their hearts. I don't know if you've ever left here and, and felt like God was stirring something in your heart uh, from the band leading us in worship or maybe something was preached from the Scriptures and you were like, man, that's, I'm tracking with that. I know that's my next step. I, I know that that's what I need to do. And you, you walk out of here fired up like, 
today's the day, man. Let's, let's build the house. Maybe you walked out last week and you're like, I'm getting ready to climb the mountain and, and bring down the wood and, and build the house. Like today starts the day. And Scripture says that God began to stir that in their hearts. I don't know if God's ever stirred something in your heart where God just began to speak to you and challenge you and you knew this is what God was calling you to do and you, you kind of get energized and you're like, I know my next step. I know this is what God has called me to do. And so it's interesting that he mentions the date. He says on the 24th day of the sixth month. So like just using our calendar, Haggai would say, and, and today, the day that they got fired up, the day that they committed was June 24th, and it was going to be a great day and a great time, and, or June 21st, the first 21st of the month. So here's what he says in, in, in chapter 2, right after that. In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. One month later, it had been about, on our calendar, 30 days since they made, 30 days since Haggai preached that message, and they were like, yes, go up the mountain, get the wood, bring it down, build the house, let's go. Like, they had t-shirts made, build the house. Like, they were carrying axes around, like, we're fired up, we know what God's called us to do. And interesting here that less than a month later, we find that the people had stopped. <laughs> they were fired up when they left. They heard a great message. They were together. They responded to the pastor. The worship music was awesome. And they left saying, I'm changed. I'm different. Like, let's build the house. Hashtag build the house. Hashtag get the wood. Let's go. Picture together. All doing this together. And, and then less than 30 days later, Scripture tells us that they had given us. Man, how many times has that happened to us? <laughs> and I'm not talking about like just in the spiritual world. Like it doesn't take much to impact us. It doesn't take much to fire us up. Like you go online and you see a little little inspirational movie clip or maybe it's a little one minute segment of a sermon and the guy's all fired up and he's rallying people and everybody's clapping and getting fired up and it's great and and then you get fired up and then like a couple of days later like you don't even remember it this this happens uh, in the gym right man you join a gym on january 1st you're gonna have to stand in line to use any of the machines go into the gym on february 1st you can have any machine you want at any time of day you want right beginning of the year everybody's like this is it New Year's resolution, going to get healthy and lose weight and go to the gym every day. And like, I'm just going to go ahead and prepay my whole one-year membership. That's how dedicated I am. Like, let's just give the money now and, and save 10%. And then they're fired up and they're going and they got a brand new headband and skin-tight shirt, compression. Don't wear those in public. And they're in the gym and they're enjoying it. And then 30 days later, like, where is everybody? Diets are the same way, like let's start, we'll go to the store and buy like a thousand dollars worth of non-GMO, gluten-free, free-range, low-carb stuff. And we're like, this is me, right? This, I'm doing, I'm sticking with it this time. And then you realize how terrible that stuff tastes and like two weeks later you're throwing all that gluten-free flour out. You're just like, give me a piece of bread, like real bread. Like, I'll just, whatever, it just didn't work for me. This is a cycle that we find ourselves in. This is, this is not just in the spiritual realm, but this is in almost every area. Maybe you've been excited about a hobby before, and you spent a lot of money on it, or you were researching it, or did a lot of things, and then a month, two months later, you're like, eh, it's just not for me. It's just not my thing. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. And we leave it. A month later, 
Scripture says these people used to be really fired up about prioritizing God, used to be really fired up about the mission that God had called them to, but a month later, they had actually quit. Maybe it's the story with you, get out of debt. Like, man, I want to get out of debt. I want to be a good money manager. Here's the deal. i got a budget now. I'm going to be living by it. I want to be generous. I want to honor God. I'm changed, okay? No more of this. Shred the credit cards. Like, revamp my whole life. And then a month later, like, we got a new credit card in the mail. And I'm going to take this one because it has double miles on it. And, and we fall back into the same trap. And it just eventually wears off. And this is exactly what happened with God's people here. And so God sees that and he sends Haggai, sends the same preacher back with another message. Uh, verse 2, this is what he says, Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people and ask them this, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem like nothing to you? Haggai shows up. God knows it. Shows up and the people are discouraged. It's like, man, we can't do it. It's, like, it's not happening fast enough. It's not on much. I, my life didn't change. I made a decision. My life didn't drastically change in a month. Like, this isn't easy. And they found themselves at a point where they were discouraged and facing seemingly insurmountable odds, just completely overwhelmed with everything that's going on. Wow, this is not going to be as easy as I thought it was going to be. It's not going to happen as fast. Like, man, my, I am tired of chopping wood. I'm tired. Like, I walked up the hill one time, but do you mean I have to walk up the hill every day to get the wood and bring it down and build the house? I don't even know how to build a house. I've hit my thumb with the nail and the hammer so many times. Like, I'm done with this. And we get discouraged, and these people are discouraged. And here, in these two verses... Haggai gives us the reasons why the majority of us get discouraged. And I want to identify these. Haggai just calls it out. He says, I know you're discouraged. There's an area of your life that all of us are discouraged in. It's going to be different for everybody in the room, but we're discouraged about something. And, and so here, Haggai tells us the things that make us discouraged. And I want to call these out. Same thing for them is the same thing for us. The first thing he says is comparison. First thing he says is, hey, everybody, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're old enough to know what Solomon's temple originally looked like. You guys remember what this temple originally looked like? He said, does anybody remember? In the, in the first part of, of verse 3, he says, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Solomon's temple was the greatest building that was ever built. Just like covered in gold and ornate, and it was a, a temple to God. And it was incredible. I mean, people would, that don't even love God would come just to view this, like the Statue of Liberty, right? It's like we're just gonna take a tourist trip just to see this incredible temple, just to see this building. It is bonkers, it is crazy. And, and Haggai identifies something. He says, How many of you remember what the old temple looked like? Because Haggai knew that some people were dealing with discouragement because they were comparing what they saw right now with what they remember being the greatest building that they'd ever seen. And comparing their life with somebody else's life. Comparing their situation and their family and their finances and their job and their success with someone else's. And the comparison game always leads to discouragement. And Haggai calls that out. It's, it's interesting that we, we never compare ourselves to people that have less than us, right? Like, we never take our salary and say, you know what, I know some people that make half that. Man, I am so blessed. 
We never look at our job and say, man, I know some people that don't have a job. I know some people that are working like three part-time jobs. I know, I know some people that are working for a boss that they absolutely hate and, and a job that they absolutely hate, and, and I, I'm not that scenario. And so, man, I, I want to compare myself to those people and think, man, I'm so blessed. Here's what we do. We always compare ourselves to what people have that are better than us and more than us. We, we don't look at the person that has less money and say, I'm so blessed. We look at the person that has more money and say, why don't I have more? We don't look at the person that can't afford to go anywhere or do anything. We look at the person that's on like their third or fourth vacation of the year, and they're like, really? <laughs> when am I? I've only gone one vacation. Why is this guy getting four? <laughs> like, does this guy, is he getting another car? Is, are they going on another trip? Are they doing another addition to their home? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I just... I just want to do one addition to my home. We never look at the people that are below us. That's why comparison is so dangerous. Because we will look at people that, and when you get there to the next level, you won't be thankful. You'll look at the person that's at the next level and say, why don't I have what they have? And we compare ourselves, always compare ourselves to people that are bigger and better and have more than us. One of the things we have to remember, though, and Haggai is communicating this here. He says, what you remember is the, the end point of Solomon's temple. And what you need to remember is you are at the starting point of what God has called you to do. Man, don't, don't compare your starting point to someone else's finish line. Right? You're not there yet. They've put in the work, they've grinded, they've done it, and they've reached that point. Well, Haggai says, I understand Solomon's temple was awesome, and it was crazy, and it was ornate, and it was covered in gold, but that's their finish line, man. That was when they finished. You are just starting. Don't compare your starting line to someone's finish line. That, like, don't compare yourself in those areas. So he's trying to encourage him. I know that building was awesome. I know this was great. But that was what they had worked on for a long time. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. You are just now starting over. You are just rebuilding. You are just getting on with the mission that God has called you to. Some people that, that you know or that you pay attention to or that you follow on social media, man, they've been, they've been grinding at this for a long time. And you look at what they have. And you think, why don't I have that? Social media is terrible about that. <laughs> right? we, somebody, somebody will post something great about their family. Like, look at my kids and how well-behaved they are and how nice their clothes are and everything is picture perfect. And then you're looking at your kids and you're like, I don't even know where my kids are right now. When, they're probably not wearing pants. Uh, they're running around the house, tearing stuff up. And, and, but your kids are wearing pleated dresses and, and like tuxedo ties and stuff like that. But don't worry about it. Like my kids are going crazy and we look at their house, and, and they'll take a picture of their kitchen. or what. They, this is the worst part. You ever meet people or, or follow people online that take pictures of their food? right? They played it perfectly. Like it's, it's cut very well, and they got the, the nice plate and the silverware that matches and like the mason jar. that they're, Nobody drinks out of a mason jar, man. It's for a picture, right? And they're just like, man, and then you're looking at your food, and it's all like, not colorful and it's smeared all the way across the plate and you're eating on a paper plate and like using chips as spoons to eat it with like not even like real china and you're like man just give me a can of coke to eat from and I'm like who are you you Instagram foodies like don't tell me you live like that like is that even real food and we get discouraged because we compare ourselves to others and we think why isn't my life that well why isn't my kids behave like theirs are why didn't my house as clean as theirs their job looks a lot funner than mine they're traveling again great on a third vacation why 
and we compare ourselves to those people. And these people were comparing themselves, and it brought them to discouragement because comparison leads to discontentment, and discontentment always leads to discouragement. He says, fight that. If you want to fight discouragement, don't get in the comparison game. Don't think about what other people have that is not like yours. It's 100% going to make you feel discouraged. So he identifies that as the main way. Let's identify that. Don't compare yourself to others. You'll end up being discouraged. In the second part of verse 3 and 4, he says, uh, not only who is left that has seen this house in its former glory, but this, how does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Second thing that brings about incredible discouragement to me, I don't know if you as well, but it's lack of progress. Lack of progress will make you discouraged. Haggai looks at me, he's like, you remember how it used to be? Now, look at it now. Look at it after 30 days of you guys going up the mountain, bringing the wood, bringing it down and trying to build the house. It looks terrible. <laughs> like the roof's not even back on it yet. That, that column you built, it's already fallen down. Like you need to start over. You didn't do something right. You need to call somebody that knows what they're doing. So many times we can get discouraged in our life or a lack of progress. I should have been further along. I should have made more progress by now. Man, no, nothing's more frustrating than saying, God, I'm going up the mountain. I'm, doing, I'm getting the wood. I'm bringing it down. I'm building the house. Like, I'm doing what you told me to do. And there's still no results. There's still no house built. There's, there's still no relief. There's still no, no progress. And what's really hard is when you feel like you've done your best, God, I've been obedient to you. I followed you. I did what you told me to do. But God, I'm looking at my life and it's still not figured out yet. There's still holes. There's still a lot of ruins here. This does not look like a house at all. This does not look like a building. Maybe you look at your marriage, your finances, your career, your family, and you're like, God, I'm doing the right thing, aren't I? Like, I'm honoring you, I'm obeying you, I'm following you. Why does it look like it's still in shambles? Why are there so many points of pain still? Why isn't my life better? I'm doing that. I, I, I listened to you, and I, I did what you said. Like, man, kids are making poor decisions, and, and finances are still hurting, and like I'm getting overlooked for promotions, and people that are far from you are seeing favor, and I'm, I'm doing what you call me to do, but I'm not... I'm not rising any. I, don't, I just don't feel like there's any progress being made. It's extremely discouraging. And Haggai calls it out. I get it. The house is still in ruins. It's still not built yet. You guys quit, he says. And because you're discouraged, because it's not completed yet, and because the task is not done, Haggai's like, I get that. I know that breeds discouragement. I know that may be what you're facing right now. Here's what he says in verse 4. But now, be strong. Zerubbabel declares the Lord, Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. In the face of discouragement, in the face of them quitting, in the face of feeling like as a parent or as a, a worker, employee, as a financial manager, that you're a failure. Like I, I feel like just everything I touch is failing and I'm not making any progress. When it feels like you've given 100% for so long and you're still not where you want to be, what do you do? 
How do you respond to that? Because that's where these people are. Maybe that's where you feel like in a few areas of your life. And here's what Haggai says. He's like, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you asked. You know what you ought to do? First thing he says is be strong. Three different times. Now, you know in Scripture when something is repeated, it brings about importance. It's emphasis. It's the author saying or God saying, hey, listen, don't miss this. Pay attention. I'm going to write it three times. I'm going to repeat it three times in one verse. He says, be strong, be strong, be strong. Not once, not twice, but three times he says it. And see, here's the pattern that we see with Haggai in this text. In the face of discouragement, one of the greatest things you can show is consistency. In fact, lack of consistency may be one of the reasons why you're so discouraged. Haggai says, keep going. It's been a month. The temple has not been rebuilt in a month. I get it. Be strong. Keep going. Keep building. Lay another brick. Put another piece of wood up. Drive another nail. Go back up the hill one more time. Consistency, consistency, consistency is what he lays down. It's the same thing with you and I. Our relationship with Jesus is not a one-time decision. Our walk with Jesus is not just something that we do for a month and then we take the rest of the year off. It's every day, every day choosing Jesus, every day taking a step, every day laying another brick down. Growth is not a one-time decision. Spiritual maturity is not a one-time decision. Christianity is not a one-time decision. Being a follower of Jesus and being a disciple is not a one-time decision. It's every day, be strong. Every day, be strong. The next day, consistency. Every day, lining that up. I had a man come up to me after the service a few months ago, and he has a teenage daughter, and just came up to me as the pastor, and he said, hey, my, my daughter, I want her to follow Jesus. She's following Jesus right now. I want her to grow up and love Jesus. What's the one piece of advice that you would give someone her age? One piece of advice. This is a high school junior. He said, just share it with her. Kind of put me on the spot. And I said, easy, consistency. Don't just read your Bible one time. Read it every day. Don't just pray one time. Pray every day. Don't just pursue a relationship with Jesus one time and make a decision and, and now you're in the family and then drop it. That's not what it's about. And if I could encourage you in one thing, it's consistency. Do it every day. Make the choice every day. Choose Jesus every day. Sacrifice every day. Put others in front of yourself every day. Be generous every day. Pray every day. Seek God every day. Open up the word every day. Be in community with people. Reach out to people every day. Do that. Show that consistency and see what happens with your relationship with God. Humble yourself every single day. I began to think, maybe, maybe the question that we should be asking is, is not, what do I need to do differently? Maybe the question to beat your discouragement is, what do I need to do again? Yeah, I did it once, but nothing happened. So should I do something different? No, you need to do what God's called you to do again. And you need to do it again tomorrow. And again the next day, and continue to prove yourself faithful, and continue to do the right thing, and don't expect microwave results from a crockpot plan, okay? Like, do it every day. It's going to take time. Choose every day. Be consistent. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Consistency is what's communicated here. Maybe the question is not, why didn't it work the first time? Maybe you should ask yourself, why did I quit doing it after the first time? Consistency. Every day. Haggai says, it'll combat your discouragement. One of the reasons why you may be discouraged is because there's no consistency in what you're doing in order to follow Jesus. 
it's so easy for these people to say, like, we get it. They're building the temple. It's been 30 days. We're like, man, it's hot. Man, these stones, I got calluses on my hands. I got splinters from the wood. I don't want to walk uphill anymore. I don't even know what I'm doing. The temple's not built yet. Giving excuses and saying why it can't work and why it hasn't worked and why it's not working yet. It's so easy to say those things, get discouraged, and quit. I love this quote from author Jeff Olson. He says, Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. All right, let me say that again. Successful people do consistently what normal people only do occasionally. Like, what are you doing occasionally in your walk with Jesus that you need to be doing consistently? Man, maybe that takes your relationship with him to the next level. Consistency is what Haggai says. And then finally, he says this. Be consistent. He says, be strong, be strong, be strong. And in the last part of verse 4, he says this. Get to work. (laughs) I like that, man. Get to work. Stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it. Stop saying you're going to do it. Continue to do it every day. And then finally, like, get to work. Notice he did not say, talk about it. Notice he didn't say, promise you're going to do it to somebody. He didn't say, compare yourself with the progress of others. He didn't say, like, just as long as you have a plan to do it, then you're going to be okay. No, he says, get to work. Do the work. Don't talk about prayer. Pray. Don't talk about studying your Bible. Study it. Don't talk about getting involved. Get involved. Don't talk about being generous. Maybe one day, occasionally, hopefully, when I get there. No, be generous. Stop talking about it and do the work. Do the work. Do the work. He says, you want to battle discouragement? Maybe the reason why you're discouraged is because we've been talking about what we want to do one day instead of doing what God's called us to do today. Do the work. Build the temple. Make it happen. How do you build the temple? One stone at a time. Every day, lay a brick. Every day, put up a piece of wood. Every day, drive the nail down. And tomorrow, start over. Do the same thing. Get to work. Consistently, do the work. Why? And here's here's the big kicker. Scripture says the reason why you're going to do that, into verse 4, because I am with you. That's how you can do it. Like, I'm not one of these guys that's just going to, like, I don't, I don't want to build your life on hype. Because I, I can't be in your house every day. Like, when you roll over in the alarm clock, I can't be there like, all right, come on, now's the day. Here we go. Get your Bible. Let's go. It's time to get up. Start that coffee. We're going to pray for five minutes. Pray together. Pray out loud because I want to hear you. All right, come downstairs. Read your Bible. Hey, somebody at your work today needs to hear about Jesus. You're going to tell them, right? Who? Let's go. Come on. Get fired up. Slap you around and say, come on, let's go. Come on. Get fired up. I can't do that. Your relationship with Jesus can't be built on hype. It's got to be built on hope. And here's the hope that we have. God says, I am with you. You want to know how you're going to be consistent? I am with you. You want to know how you can do the work? Because I am with you. Not our own power. <laughs> Your own power won't get you very far at all. But when God says, man, I will equip you and give you the strength and the power to do what I've called you to do, that's what he's saying. I'm discouraged. I can't do this. God says, I know. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm with you. Verse 9 says this. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Man, the house you guys are building is going to be even better, bigger, nicer than King Solomon's house, says the Lord God Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. It's an amazing foreshadowing here. Let me just close with this. Here's why this is so important. Because in the Old Testament, 
God's presence dwelt in the temple. It dwelt in the church. And here was the life of a follower of God in the Old Testament. Every day, you would realize that the previous day you sinned, and you made a mistake, and you separated yourself from God. And so you would get an animal, and you would bring it to the temple, and every day you would have to sacrifice it. Every day you would do something in order to please God. Every day you would have to come to him and say, God, please forgive me. Please let your presence dwell around my life again. And you know what happened? The God of the New Testament sent Jesus. He didn't say, come to me. He said, I'm going to come to you. He didn't say, bring a sacrifice. He said, I'm going to bring the sacrifice. I'm going to give my son for your sins so that you don't have to bring a sacrifice anymore. You don't have to come to me. I'm coming to you. You don't have to beg for forgiveness. It's a free gift. I'm giving it to you. You don't have to wonder if the presence of God is happy with me or if he approves of me or is God behind what I'm doing because when you give your life to Jesus, the very spirit of God does not dwell in a temple or a building. It dwells in you. And God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. My presence will always be with you. You don't have to wonder about that. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to figure out what the next steps are or where I am. I'll be with you. Jesus says, greater is he that is in you that is in the world. You want to know how you can be consistent? You want to know how you can do work? You want to know how you're going to get this thing done? Because greater is he that is in you that is in the world. The very presence of God dwells in us to give us exactly what we need to do what God has called us to do. So here's why you don't have to be discouraged. You're not alone. Here's why you don't have to be discouraged because God has already promised he will give you everything you need to accomplish what he's called you to do. He came to us and gave us his son Jesus so that we wouldn't have to look anymore, so that we wouldn't be empty anymore. And Paul says in Philippians 1.6, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished. God is a finisher. He's not just going to start something. So he looks at you and says, Don't be discouraged. I am with you. So do the work that I've called you to do. Be consistent in that walk with me every day and watch what I do.